Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to worship at Hope Church this morning. My name is Mark. I am the pastor. And I see that Cupid came and left a little surprise for me. So thank you, Cupid. I appreciate it. I am eager to dig into these. And uh, kind of the way that these little chocolates work in the Jordan household is Tiffany and Ethan bite the end off of one to find out if it's one they like and I eat the rest. But it, uh, it never fails because... Uh, even though that old Life cereal commercial said, Mike, you eat anything, they probably referred to me, uh, and I will eat anything. Anyways, <laughs> all that being said, it is good to see you here today. And, uh, of course, I know I'm, we're excited about looking into Valentine's Day on Tuesday. Uh, and so uh, if that comes as a startle to any of you guys, you're welcome. And so uh, we will uh, continue pressing on. Last week, as we were working through our message in the, uh, our series in the book of Galatians, we talked about how adoption is the format that God used and set forth in the scripture to help us realize that we are adopted into God's forever family. And the idea is that God is constantly in this process, in this task of bringing outsiders and making them insiders. And that's one of those things that we see spelled out in the scriptures, that God's whole plan is to take people who are outsiders, which means people whose lives and relationships are broken with God because of sin in our lives. And that responds to every single one of us. And God's plan is to make all of us who are outsiders, insiders, part of God's holy forever family. And so that's what we see about this whole idea and this concept of adoption. And that adoption is sealed signed and delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I shared a little bit about our adoption journey with Mia and how uh, we were fingerprinted and footprinted together to sign our family's uh, being, <laughs> our family unit, uh, and also talked about how we're looking forward to another adoption. I know we've had several people ask us about updates on that. Uh, we learned on Friday, I guess it was, that the social service agency in Taiwan added a step so we got a pre-approval on Friday. So that is, as our caseworker said, to quote, very good news. But now the official meeting will not take place until March. So we have to wait a little bit longer. But as the caseworker said, this is very good news that they would not have even gone to that step if things didn't look good for our family. So hopefully that answers any questions that you might have as, uh, about us personally in our adoption experience and our adoption journey. So we are continuing this morning going through the book of Galatians, looking at Galatians chapter 5. And one of my absolute favorite passages comes at the very top of this, well, I say the top of this, but the top of our message today, from Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It's the second part of that. So if you happen to have your uh, Hope, Church app, Hope Church Plus app handy or your follow-along notes, I also posted them on Facebook. They're in the comments uh, section on the live stream. If you'd like, you'll see this verse. It says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so when we see the Apostle Paul write this, we recognize that there is a very specific faith and love connection. Now, to tell you how that plays itself out, what we see is that faith points to what it is that we believe, 
and love animates us for action. And this is a really good thing for us to think about as we are on the cusp of Valentine's Day and we see teddy bears and chocolates and things like that. Faith points to what it is that we believe and love animates us into action. Love isn't just an adjective or isn't just something that we feel warm fuzzy. Love is a verb. It motivates us to put what it is that we believe into action. And so as we see the Apostle Paul right there in Galatians 5, chapter 6, or sorry, chapter 5, verse 6, the second part of that is the only thing that counts is putting our faith into action via love. Now, Jesus described love, right? He said uh, love is the commandment that he gives us. We're going to talk more about that next Sunday as we bring our series to a close. And Jesus also said the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we see from the words of Jesus himself, talk about believe. He said, believe in God, believe also in me. But then he says, I need you to put that into action. And so this faith and love connection might convict us some because maybe we are really good on one end of it, right? Maybe we're really good on the faith aspect of it. I believe. But are we as good putting it into action? And there may be some who say, well, I'm really good at putting love into action, but I don't know that I necessarily believe everything. Well, the question then will come since these two are inextricably linked, that we have to understand what love really is. Right? With all due respect to that foreigner song. I want to know what love is. Right? We, we have to look into the scripture. We have to look into the scripture, into the heart and the character of God. Uh, to know exactly what love really means. It's putting God first. It's serving neighbor. It's surrendering our own will and our own interests. Which means, as we recognize that there is a faith and a love connection, we have a problem. Don't we? We do have a problem. That problem is that we typically put ourselves at the center of it all. We are prone to living for self as opposed to living for spirit. We are prone to being selfish. We are prone to being self-centered. Now, of course, this is how we are born in the way that we survive in the first several years of our life, right? There are people who pour themselves out physically, emotionally, financially, to make sure that we are protected, to make sure that we have what we need, that we are nurtured, that we are cared for. And so this gives us this idea, this insight, that the world does indeed revolve around us. And it is hard for that to get broken. It's hard for us to find that point of wisdom that we realize the world doesn't revolve around us. And you know what? Those can be rude awakenings. Can I get a witness? Those can be rude awakenings when we realize the world doesn't really revolve around us or cater to our needs or our whims or our fancies. And so if we're going to realize that there is this faith and this love connection, what it is that we believe and how it's animated to put it into action, we also have to recognize that we have a problem in this where the the link in that chain gets broken is that we are prone to selfishness. We are prone to thinking that it must be our way right away. And then all of a sudden, We recognize that Burger King commercial from the 90s just gave us the definition for original sin. Original sin. It's that selfishness. It's that innate instinct that we have where we believe the world revolves around us. And we expect it to cater to our wants and our needs and our desires and our fancies. And then we have to realize what happens when that reality is broken. What are we to do next? So the fifth chapter of Galatians actually speaks into this. 
this new awareness, this new reality that comes when we recognize that the world is supposed to revolve around God, not us, and uh, we have to come to that hard, painful truth about the reality of God, the, the two realities of God. The first one is that there is a God, and the second one is you are not Him, right? That's one of those hard realities that we have to deal with. And so we're going to break down our section this morning from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. We're going to break it down to make it a little bit more manageable. And then we're going to look through this. And the one thing I want you to remember uh, as we, before we dive into our first section today is how Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was talking to his disciples, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so when we work through this, that faith and love connection, I want you to think about those areas, those places in your life where you know that you want to do the right thing, but your flesh oftentimes gets in the way. And so maybe as you're taking notes uh, in the app or on the page or whatever, you're taking notes, think critically and seriously and conscientiously about those areas where you know in your own life the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So let's look at our first section from Galatians 5, verses 16 through 18. And I'm reading out of the New International Version this morning. The words, of course, are on the screen. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, that whole idea about the law, as we have explored so far, is talking about the rules in the Old Testament. We start with the big ten, right? The top ten. The Ten Commandments, all the way through the Talmud, which are some close to 600 different laws that are supposed to govern the way that we interact with God, we interact with each other, and we also have to have personal responsibility for our own sense of righteousness and holiness. Now, God sent the law and gave us the law to be like guide rails, so to speak, to keep us between the ditches. It's kind of like learning to bowl and you use the bumpers on the, on the gutters, right? That's kind of the idea of the law. The law is to help us realize that there is a path that we're supposed to go down and that we're going to run afoul of it if we are not careful. But the thing about the way that God's law works, if you remember this from a message a couple weeks ago, is that when you violate one piece of the law, you have violated the entire thing. These aren't just codes and these aren't just uh, little precepts and ideas or suggestions. One little violation of one single piece of the law when it comes to God's call is violating the entire thing. Why is that? That's because God's call in our lives is for us to be holy, is for us to be righteous. And so when we violate one piece of it, we have already violated that call to be righteous and to be holy. And this can be a challenge for us because we want to say, oh, you know, just, just a little infraction, right? Just a little, just a little bit. It's only going you know, like 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. I could have gone a lot far faster, right? That's the way that we, we kind of look at it with justification and reconciliation in our minds. I don't say reconciliation in terms of making things right. We reconcile what it is that we're doing in hopes of trying to make ourselves feel better if we recognize we're not doing the right thing. And so we have this problem with the law that tells us that if, our, if God's standard is perfection and we are unable to perfectly fulfill the law, then we are lost and hopeless, right? No, of course not. We're not hopeless and helpless because God's given us Jesus. God gave us Jesus who came to be the fulfillment of the law that when he said, if you put your faith in me, you will be saved. And then we are called to love God with all of our heart, 
and soul and mind and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. You see how this works? Jesus is the fulfillment of the law comes and says, when you believe in me, we believe in the fulfillment of the law. We recognize how we get it wrong, where we get it wrong, when we get it wrong, with whom we get it wrong. And then we seek to live correctly, righteously, holily, <laughs> anyway, in love. We seek to do the right thing. When Paul wrote to be led by the Spirit, he was referring to an active, constant following. An active, constant following. In your own life, think about the things, the aspects, the areas where you are active and where you are constant. We're constantly breathing. Our heart's constantly pumping. For some of us, our minds may be constantly running. For others, our worries may be constantly spinning. Where are we constantly and actively at work in life? Paul's advice is to allow that active, constant activity to be bathed and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, that requires us on a constant level to remain in prayer. Paul would say pray without ceasing, to be worshiping, to recognize that we are to behold the crucified Christ, as we talked about before, that we are to be serving. We're supposed to be looking for ways to put our faith into action via love. That's how we are constantly and actively to be following the love of God that we've, given, we've been given in the Holy Spirit. It's a constant awareness through prayer, through worship, through fellowship, through service. But one of the things that we come to recognize here is that, we're going to dive into this a little bit more, is that we are constantly distracted, aren't we? One of the main cultural deviations that Christianity brought to the understanding and expression of God in the world is sexual morality. That is one of the primary deviations that Christianity brought to the world. Chastity. Morality. Why is that? Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount talked about be careful for the things that attract us and anger us. Because we don't control them. When we are attracted to something or to somebody, it is a chemical reaction in our body, in our brain, in our soul connection. Likewise, when we are angered, it is the same thing. We cannot control the things that attract us or anger us. It's almost like we are a bass fish swimming in the river of life, and all of a sudden we see a shiny little lure, and we go, ooh, shiny, and next thing you know, we're hooked. Sexual morality, as Christ is coming in and teaching and preaching, and the word is spreading, is one of those massive deviations because it speaks to that inner impulse control problem that we have. We cannot control the things that attract us or anger us. When we pray, lead us not into temptation. It's easy for us to recognize those things that are problems, but it's far harder, us, harder for us to resist those things that we simply cannot control. And so as we dig into the next part of our journey through Galatians chapter 5, Let's look at verses 19 through 21. And remember, the spirit is willing, 
but the flesh is weak because we cannot control the things that our flesh wants or the things that that make us angry. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 reads, the acts of the flesh are obvious, right? Obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Stern warnings. You look at that list. Where are you tempted? What is the lure in your bass-like life swimming through the river of life? Where are you tempted? And tend, where do you tend to get hooked? To get cra- trapped? Uh, maybe it's crapping on you too, but still... Uh, Pardon me for that. <laughs> but where are you where are you prone? The word for sexual immorality that Paul used in the original Greek is porneia. Does that sound like a word that you've heard before? Pornography, right? And so you're saying, oh, whew, I don't have any magazines or websites or videos, anything like that. But see, the reality is that when we look at this word porneia, It's an umbrella term. It's not talking about just the things that we may look at for arousal. It's talking about all kinds of sexual immorality, all kinds of sexual brokenness, all kinds, where none of us can be immune. Every single person has a tendency to get hooked by something that will hook us if we're not careful. So that Greek word porneia, even though we use it to describe a certain category of media, it's speaking to every little piece of that brokenness that comes down and speaks into our human experience. It seems like I can't go a week without referring to the fall in Genesis. But remember what Adam and Eve recognized when they were, when they fell from grace, they recognized that they were naked, right? And if you weren't born in the South naked, but they realized that they were naked. They recognized their sexual vulnerability. They recognized those parts that were intrinsic to them that were extremely and extraordinarily difficult. And so we go back through that list of sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. In order for us to be able to inherit the kingdom of God, we've got to learn some impulse control. Impulse control. So here's one of the things that is a truism about living a life of faith. Is that we are all going to be tempted to do the wrong thing. But the impulse comes in, impulse control comes in to say, I'm not going to succumb to my impulses. I'm not going to succumb to that temptation. I may see the shiny thing, and I'm not going to bite, lest I get hooked and caught. Where are your struggles with impulse control? Where do you struggle? I'll be honest, the whole idea of the porneia isn't such an issue for me, but gluttony sure is. And obsession sure is. And I can look through those items that the Apostle Paul mentioned. Debauchery, eh, not so much, but idolatry. Heck yeah. I haven't really dabbled in witchcraft. 
Thank goodness. But hatred? You know, some people think hatred is all in all a bad thing. Paul says we're allowed, well, not just Paul, but God says we're allowed to hate as long as we're hating evil. So hatred is appropriate as long as we are hating the things in this list. Discord? Have you ever found yourself at odds with somebody? Jealousy? Ooh, don't let me get started. I have a whole series about the place where I get jealous. Fits of rage? Not so much in my older years, uh, but before I really met Christ and when I was a hormone-surging teenager, yeah, I had some fits of rage. Selfish ambition, God help me. Dissensions, factions. I try not to, but we're tribal by nature, right? Envy, mm. drunkenness, orgies, maybe not so much. But there are things on that list that I know that I have to look at my own life, that those things produce the brokenness and that faith living itself out in love. How about you? Where do you have your impulse control problems? And so here's the thing. We go back into Galatians 3. If we are like the bass swimming through the river of life, and we see that shiny lure, Galatians chapter 3 says, instead of focusing on something that goes, oh, shiny, you focus on the crucified Christ. In those moments where you are struggling with your impulse control, where you feel that temptation pulling you into something you know that you should not be doing, Paul says to remember the crucified Christ. Why? Do you remember why? Because first of all, it was a spectacle. It was horrific. It was dehumanizing. It was disfiguring. And Jesus did that for you and for me because it was our sin, your sin, that held him there. Your tendency to succumb to temptation, the things that attract you or anger you, nailed him to that cross. Focus on the crucified Christ. And allow your life to begin to grieve the sin that made it essential for Jesus to die in your place. That is God's hope for us, for that impulse control. Something else that I recommend when I'm doing pastoral counseling is to find what we would call a stopper. If there is something that is tempting you, do a behavior that is directly contradictory to that action. For example, if you're standing in your pantry, you're like, how long is it going to take me to eat everything? Go for a walk, like away from the house, right? If you need to walk to Birmingham, walk to Birmingham. But don't succumb to it. If you are tempted to, to look at something you shouldn't be on your phone or your computer, turn it off. Stick it in the microwave. If it's a problem, put it in the toilet. You're not going to touch it then. Find a way to stop that behavior so you can focus on the crucified Christ. It's a hard word. But we've got to recognize that we have an impulse control problem that emanated and originated from original sin. But as I mentioned, there's a lot of hope about putting our faith in Christ. Galatians goes on to speak about it. When he wrote in chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, I changed, traded that one out in the, tra the translation, but patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. Those who belong, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So in the very beginning, our first or our point was to be led by the Spirit. This one is to keep in step with the Spirit. What that means is to allow the Spirit to lead you, but also to prod you. Bless you. To keep in step with the Spirit means to allow the Spirit to lead you, but also to prod you, to nudge you, to urge you, or what? Nerd you. Gosh, y'all are picking up. I love it. I love it. And so we think about these fruit of the Spirit. What we recognize is that these are the spontaneous outgrowth of what happens when we allow our mind to be focused on the crucified Christ. We get that impulse control under control. And we allow our lives to be lived and breathed in the power and the spirit of God. This fruit begins to grow spontaneously. Just like in a few months, right, when orchards or whatever come up. The trees aren't thinking specifically about, I need to put an apple there or banana there or an orange there. It just happens spontaneously. It happens organically and naturally. This is the kind of fruit that God wants to produce in you when you are staying in step with him. Keeping that impulse control under control with self-control. And not not allowing the things that attract you or anger you to lead you astray. I can remember being, right now as I'm thinking about this, and I was this morning too. A third grader at Clay Elementary School in uh, Mableton, Austin, Mableton. Clay was just recently condemned. I drove by it last year while we were down there doing something, and it looked sad for me to think about my little elementary school age self walking through the hallways and playing on the playgrounds there. But I can remember one of the great honors of being a third grader, whatever, first, second grader, was to be chosen to be the lineman. Big honor. It's a big honor here in preschool. Why is it an honor? It's because you're the line leader. You got to know where you're going. You got to know the way. But as I reflect on it, especially after watching it transpire here, children younger than I was at the time, is the line leader totally alone in his or her work or action? No. It's the teacher that was leading the way. The line leader was put as a position of responsibility, but it was really the teacher who was leading and also prodding. One of the things that we see throughout the book of Galatians is how the Apostle Paul refers to the Spirit as well as the law, like a tutor, like a teacher, like a guide that is out in front of us, but is also behind us, nudging and urging and nudging us along the way. This isn't unique to just Christianity and New Testament theology because we also see in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, about how the Lord is our shepherd and goodness and mercy is following us all the days of our life. God's whole presence and power with us from the very beginning is to lead the way, but also to hem us in in the end so that we do not get led astray. When we do, and we're about to sing about it, we have a good shepherd 
who leaves the flock of 99 to follow and chase after the one who is wayward. Just like sheep typically are wayward, you and I can get wayward too. What is it that causes a sheep to get wayward? It usually finds some sweet grass that it thinks is better than what's in the pasture. And the sheep will go and will start munching and start gnawing and before long recognize that it's out of place and out of step. Friends, the same thing happens in your life, in my life, and in all of our lives. We are so easily tempted to lose that self-control, to succumb to our impulse control problems, and to give in and get hooked by the things that attract us. And as that list that Paul mentioned, anger us as well. And so as we bring this morning's message to a close, and we invite the band to come up and lead us in our closing song, we must remember that we have these impulse control problems. And those impulse control problems that lead us into sin of attraction and anger are things that break that relationship that we have with God. But God has given us the hope and the help. And his son Jesus, who came and died for your sins, my sins, and all of us collectively, but also for the power of the Holy Spirit, that when we believe in Jesus as, as his one and only son, that God raised him from the grave, that he inspil, inspils, he instills and imparts within us, I'm making up new words as we go, right? He instills and imparts within us the power of his Holy Spirit to lead and to guide and to direct us. And as we live for him with our self-control, fruit of love and peace and patience and all the things that we want to be known for in our lives, they begin to grow spontaneously. And so I pray that as we bring this message to a close, that you will ask God to reveal to you those areas where you have impulse control problems. And ask God for the power of his spirit to come and lead you and hem you in in an effective and an appropriate way because his son and your savior Jesus died to remove the penalty and the sting of sin from your life. Friends, this is the gospel message. May we recognize that we believe in this and we want to be animated to live accordingly. Thanks to the love of God in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And all God's children say, amen. Pray with me. Living and loving God, we thank you for today. We recognize on the Sunday before Valentine's Day that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. And so, Lord God, we pray for the belief that we have. And even in those areas we struggle with unbelief, we pray that we may put our focus on you and your crucified son, Jesus Christ, and recognize that through the power of his resurrection and the instilling and the imparting of the holy, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that we are able to live for you. So, Lord God, in spite of the problems that we have, help us to know that we can be led by you, that we can keep in step with you, and in so doing, we inherit your kingdom. And so, Lord God, we seek forgiveness for those ears we fall short. We seek reconciliation with you and with others with whom we have broken relationship. And we seek to be restored to live according to your hope and your peace and your love in our lives. We ask all this in the holy, helping, healing name of Jesus. Amen. 
Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.